episode 169 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by the Finer Points. Ground School app contains knowledge and skill videos. Check it out at learnthefinerpoints.com. Hey guys, my name is Andrew DaCasa. I'm an Embraer 145 First Officer based in Philadelphia. Aviation Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. First off, I want to say thank you all so much for sharing, for following, or for purchasing Pilot's Coffee. If you haven't heard, you haven't listened to the last episode, Pilot's Coffee is out. Christine and I have created our own coffee brand. We're starting with steeped coffee packs. They are like tea bags, but for coffee. So you leave in water, you dunk it for 30 seconds, let it sit and steep for about five minutes. And it is good, very, very great high quality coffee for life on the road. So go ahead and check that out. It's Instagram at Pilot's Coffee or www.pilotscoffee.com. You definitely won't regret it. But Aviation, today's episode is with Pilot Drew. Pilot Drew, also known as Andrew, which I didn't know that's what he liked to go by <laughs> until we were on this podcast, which is kind of funny. But Pilot Drew is currently flying a 145 out of Philadelphia. Find out how he got there. Found out how he started flying a little bit over in Guam and over in that area and then came back home. Uh, it's, it's a crazy story. It's pretty cool to see him uh, just travel, chase after his dream, how he uh, went to college, and then he came back to go to flying later in life and just went to ATP crushed it and uh, living his best life right now. Saving Nation, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you do, please leave us a review on iTunes. Check out Pilot the Pilot on Instagram, Pilot's Coffee on Instagram, and make sure you scoop up some coffee while supplies last. Hope you guys are having a great day. Without any further ado, here's Andrew. Andrew, what's going on, man? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Oh, thanks for having me on, Justin. I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I was laughing when I said Andrew because we were literally just talking about how you prefer to be called Andrew, even though your Instagram is Pilot Drew. So uh, you kind of screwed yourself on that one, but <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, hilarious. I definitely did. You know, going going back to the start when I made my account public, I was like, okay, well, I, maybe you know, Pilot like Andrew, Andrew the Pilot was that was taken, so was Pilot Andrew, and I was like, all right, you know. I guess I go with Pilot Drew, and then here we are, two years later, and everyone's like, "Hey, Drew," and I'm like, "It's oh, not my name," but <laughs> right, I, I did it to myself. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's too late now. You might as well just change your name and go by Drew. It's it's almost like like what's like what is like an alias kind of now. It's just like oh, it's like a like a separate personality, like your it's pseudonam, like, oh, like your, your writer's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh no, that that's that's not me. That's, that's just uh, Instagram. <laughs> that's funny, man. Well, cool. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. We've been trying to get this done for a while. Uh, I'm excited to hear your story, give you a chance to to share your story with everyone because I'm sure a lot of people are interested to hear how you've gotten to where you are today, whether it might be all the followers on Instagram, whether it's where you're flying, and just hear your journey. So I'm excited to talk to you, man. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited too. I'm excited to share my story. You know, I've been following your uh, you know, your podcast for a long time now, so I'm I'm really excited to be on. That's crazy. I it's so weird when people say that cuz I still I've done like a hundred and I don't know how many hundred and something of these. And I still feel like no one listens, you know, like I still do these thinking that like, I don't have any audience or any reach. It's like so weird that when people say I've been listening for a while, <laughs> something I can never wrap my head or my head around, I guess. Well, that's like, the, I'll tell you what, that's the beauty of social media. And you never really know like who's like, who's listening. And like, again, like I, I've been listening to your show probably since, well, let me think 2017, I think is 
or maybe maybe it was 20 yeah 2017 when i was flying pipeline in texas because it was like i need to find a good podcast and um and then sure enough i stumbled upon pilot the pilot and and i've been listening to you guys you know your show ever since it's crazy, man. I love hearing that. That's so cool. <laughs> I'll have to tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you have you have uh, great content. So I appreciate it. Something I really, I, I really appreciate, and it's a great thing you do for the aviation community. Thanks, man. Well, enough about me. Don't suck up to me. Let's uh, let's go and get your story out. Uh, so, the first thing I ask everyone, it's the same question, and it's really the only question that I ever have planned. Why did you want to be a pilot? What was the original inspiration behind you starting a, a career in this crazy industry? Uh, well, you know what? It, it really stems back to, um, I mean, I feel like everyone has, has the same story. Uh, it, it started when I was a little kid. Um, my dad was always really passionate about aviation. Uh, he never pursued it. Um, he, so I'm, I'm a first generation American. Um, both my parents are born in Portugal. My dad grew up in Philadelphia, but, uh, when he was 18, he got accepted into the Portuguese Air Force and my grandparents were like, no, we don't want you to go. And my dad had a lot of self doubt. Uh, about doing that. So he ended up not pursuing that. Um, and who knows where he would be today. He'd probably be a captain at like Tapir, Portugal or something like that. Um, so that's what usually happens to Portuguese pilots. But, um, you know, he's had a passion for aviation, um, ever since I was born. And I remember when I was young, like he had like a, there was like a handheld radio and we would go to the airport and hear the, like the planes fly overhead. He'd take me to the airport and, and do that. Um, he had like a big bag of like die cast model airplanes and I used to play around with them. I used to draw airplanes as a kid. And as I got older, I started playing flight simulator a lot. Um, and, uh, picking out planes in the sky. And a lot of times like I would be like, Oh, like tell my friends, like, Oh, that's a 737 Southwest. And they'd be like, Oh, how can you tell? I'm like, Oh, well, you know, if you, if you look at the tail and, and all this stuff and, and I'll just be like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> but, um, a nerd. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, it's just, just an, a, a nerd. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, as I got older, uh, my priorities kind of changed. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, after I'm going to say 25 that I really decided to pursue, to, to pursue aviation full time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's crazy to, to see, you know, it, it's cool because like now, like I, I get to tell my dad about it, and I get to have like I got to have my parents on a flight, um, my first flight to Canada when when I just got off of OE, and um, and it's just a cool experience, uh, like going full circle. And I'm glad it's something that I get to like share with my dad that I'm like pretty stoked about. Yeah, that's awesome. I find it interesting, or I kind of want to know more about, so you always kind of had this love of aviation and you always wanted to, it seems, it sounds like in your mind, like aviation was something that you wanted to do, but you said you didn't start until you're 25. Did you have similar self doubts in yourself that you couldn't be a pilot? Did you think like, oh, I don't, I'm not that great at math or my eyesight's not as good or was it just, you had other interests? You know, it's actually something completely different. Um, um, I'm very fortunate. My parents have been married 33 years. Um, so I've, I grew up with like a, um, very, very lucky that, you know, I, I grew up in a very like good family. And I remember when I was 18 years old, I was like, okay, well, I would like to be a pilot, but I want to have a family. And I think, I think it's like the, the idea of the lifestyle of being gone all the time. Like, I don't think I could do that. I think I wouldn't be able to like, be a good father or husband, you know, and well, I don't know why an 18 year old is thinking like that. It's kind of beyond me, but I was like, I just don't think this is the right lifestyle for me. But um, 
You know, what it was is my first year of college, I was in engineering and um, I did a project on um, the 787. Um, and it was when I was doing the, 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 like the, presentation that I really realized like, you know what, I think this is what I want to do. I don't think engineering is the, my right path, but I, you know, kept, I kept with it because just like I was already in school. So I might as well just graduate and, and, you know, if I want to fly maybe down the road, I'll do it. So it was always something that was in the back of my mind, but I was like, maybe I'll come back to it one day. And sure enough, after my, after flying or being an engineer for a year, I realized very quickly, like, you know what, this whole nine to five life really isn't for me. I think I'm going to pursue being a pilot because I don't want to grow up and I want to just go for the childhood dream. Because at the end of the day, like if you don't love what you do, like you're going to be miserable, like family or not, like that'll come later. Like worry about what matters first. That's for me was at the time career. So do you still have the same concerns. Like are those still family concerns still there now that you're in the industry and you see other people that have families or you, maybe you see the high divorce rate or you see gone all the time do you still have those concerns or are those concerns kind of gone because you know you're going to make the best of the situation and you're doing what you love um you know what i i definitely still have those concerns i think a lot of people do and um i've, I've talked to pilots who are divorced i've talked to pilots who are happily married and, and a lot of the times like you know you're you're in the cockpit with the captain or the first officer and you're having conversations and and I'll, I'll ask deep questions like, you know, how's your love life? Like, how's your, like, how's your marriage? Like, is it, is it working? How do you guys make it work? Because, you know, at the end of the day, like I see myself, like that's one of my biggest life goals is to, you know, like raise a family one day. But, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, you just got to find somebody who can handle the situation and handle it, you know, because a lot of people can't. Uh, it's very true. When you are, I mean, my wife, Christina, she's the best. Like I can't imagine going anyone going through this life with anyone other than her just because she gets it. She understands the industry. And that is so important. It's it's a tough industry to, to throw on a partner. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, you might love it, but it, it's not for like you can't force anyone else to love it and understand why you have to do this and why you're going to be gone so much and and kind of understand the difficulties that come with this and be okay with it. It is one of the hardest things that you will ever do. It might even be harder than uh, getting your job at a major airline is finding someone that can put up with all that comes with being an airline pilot or any kind of pilot in general. Right. Because I mean, at the end of the day, like you might be loving your job, but if you get to your hotel room and, um, and your love life or just like your, like the other aspects of your life are falling apart, is it worth it? You know, you have to kind of have a balance, I think. Um, and I think like right now, like being in the, like being in the regionals, like it's, it can be hard. Like, uh, you know, like I'll have, sometimes I'll have schedules where I'm on, I'm working for four days and then I'm off for two days and then I'm on a, another four day trip. So by the time you get home and you're finally like getting back to normal, you're gone again. And it's like, how can you, I mean, it, it takes a special person to be able to understand that lifestyle and, and be able to stick with you, like stick, stick through it with you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. It's something that everyone has to navigate and figure out on their own and, and do their best and, and work it out and make it work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you were at a switching jobs, you actually were completing one year of being an engineer. Did you, were you a hundred percent going to do this or did you have some doubt in your mind? Like, yeah, you know, like I have a pretty good gig set up here. Like this is going to set up for a good family life or was it nope flying have to do it. I'm out. Um, I think I had like a coming to Jesus, like I call it a quarter life crisis. I mean, I think that's what it was. Um, I would, like I, every day uh, felt exactly the same. Like Monday through Friday, I would wake up at 
um, six o'clock in the morning, I'd commute an hour to work. Um, I'd work until five o'clock at night and then I'd drive an hour to the gym and then I'd go home. I'd get home at eight o'clock at night and I'd eat, I'd go to bed and I'd wake up the next day and do it all over again. And I felt like I would see the same five, six, seven faces every day. And I was like, all right, here's my little bubble of a world. And I'm not leaving this, like not leaving this bubble. Like I, is this, is this forever? Is this, is this how I see my, my future going? And I was like, okay, well, I look, I look at my boss who, you know, you, if you want to aspire to do better, you want to be like your boss or, or, or go on. And, and I looked at him and he was running around with this like head cut off. It seemed like just like trying to put out fires everywhere, like very successful guy. And, and I was just like, man, do I want that? Do I want, do I want his job? Would I ever want his job one day? And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't think so. Like, I don't think I want to respond to emails and, and talk to clients and, and, and do all these types of things. I mean, the job was cool. I worked, uh, at a civil engineering firm at the beach and I was designing, um, I was doing like infrastructure work, uh, designing bridges, um, uh, beach restoration. I designed a few parks, um, that actually ended up getting implemented. It was just pretty cool. Um, but, um, it just wasn't fulfilling for me. I, I always loved flying and I was like, you know what? This might be like my last chance. Like if I don't do this now, I never will. So I put all of my life savings that I had, you know, paid for flight school and, and took out a little extra loan so I can, you know, just live. And I went full time into ATP's program and I already had my private pilot's license that I got um, from the time I was 18. Um, I went uh, through like a, a community college. I, um, I got up to like my private and then I just pursued on with my engineering Um career at the Rutgers university. But, um, at the time, go Buckeyes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'll like to, to be, to be fair, like Rutgers is just like terrible, terrible <laughs> in the big 10. I don't know why they ever joined the big 10. Yeah. But, hey. I mean, it was for the money, obviously. So they're, they're getting paid <laughs> a lot, but they're losing a lot too. <laughs> it was definitely for the money. And of course, the first time we actually win a, a big 10 game, I wasn't even there for it when they stormed <laughs> the field against Michigan. Uh, but Hey, it is what it is. It is what it but, is. Man. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, going, going back to, um, you know, I had, it was like this little bubble of a world. It was like, you know what? Like, this is my last chance to like live my childhood dream. Cause if I don't do this, I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I just gave it my all. I just, I literally put all my eggs in one basket and I just prayed for the best. And, um, sometimes that's all, that's all you can do. You know, when you came to your parents and you told them, Hey, I'm not going to do what I went to school for. I'm actually going to quit this job and I'm going to go into debt and take out all my life savings. And I'm going to go after this crazy career that dad, you wanted to do too. Were they very supportive or did they have similar hesitations that your dad's parents and grandparents had when he wanted to join the air force or the military? Initially, um, there was a lot of hesitation, especially my mom. Like even to this day, my mom's like, are you sure you don't want to be an engineer? Whenever I whenever I tell her I have like a bad day and I'm like, Mom, like I'm 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 already doing this. Like it is what it is. Like, it's over. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. You lost. Yeah. Um but um and, and with the same with my dad. I mean, um, so I I bounced around from it took me six years to graduate college. I, I initially went for engineering at, at one school and I hated that school, so I left and I went to community college and I, I pursued a one forty one program to get my private and I was gonna continue, but uh, at the time, the program had three airplanes for like 40 some students. And, um, I was, I was able to complete all of my coursework for the 141 portion of like just, just all the courses around flying, except the flying portion. 
So had I continued there, it would just would have taken over two years. And I just didn't want to be in community college for that long. So I started taking a lot of calculus, physics, chemistry courses, and I knew I was going to transfer. So I went back to, I went back to engineering. So still like, to be fair, like on my dad's side, it's like, well, you you keep changing your mind. I'm like, yeah, because I'm 23, 24 years old and I can't figure out like what I want to do with my life. It's hard. It's a hard decision when you're 18, 19 years old to be like, all right, I'm going to do this, you know? Yeah. And so I, I always think I, I always suggest people to like go to community college because like if you don't know what you want to do, don't don't waste the money and, and go to like a four year university. If, you know, if you're just going for the experience, because I, I, I found like a lot of times people end up coming home, coming back home because they don't know what they want to do. And they just go into debt for no reason. Yeah, you're not you know, I was going to ask. Uh, so there's going to be people listening to this that are 18 to, to 23. Maybe they're similar situation. What kind of advice do you give them when they're kind of struggling with that? Like, well, what are my friends going to think if I go to community college? Like, I know it's probably the best financial decision, the best decision for me, but you know, all my friends are going to Rutgers all my friends are going to Ohio State. It's like, why not just go there and get a, a general degree and then kind of figure it out from there? I, I think at the end of the day, like you, you have to do what's best for you and not what other people expect from you. Um, you know, um, acquire assets, you know, don't, don't, I don't know. I like, it's, it's not a bad thing to take a year off um, after you graduate high school to figure out what you want to do. As long as you're actively pursuing something and, and trying to figure it out. If you're just like taking a year off of of school and and playing video games, like that's not the move either. That's not what I'm saying at all. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but I'm going to be a Twitch streamer, man. Come on. Don't crush my dreams. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Um, uh, but, um, I, I think, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes when I was younger. And um, if I can go back, I I would have definitely been a little bit more organized and done a little bit more research. There's so much, there's so much that you can do. And it can be very overwhelming. And you kind of have to just focus on one task at a time and just figure out what your interests are. It's like, okay, if like I like working out and I like nutrition, okay, well, would you consider being going into like, you know, being a dietitian or going into like kinesiology or things like that? And, but, it, 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 it takes trial and error too. And not everyone has to go to college. Like the world needs plumbers and electricians and um, construction workers. Like, and you can have a, a great career doing that as well. You know, um, you don't have to go to college. Um, but um, I, I definitely think it doesn't hurt to, to take a year off or, or even just like take some time to figure out what you want to do. Don't worry about what other people are doing because they're, they're not, you know, everyone's on their own life journey. You know what I mean? You don't have to like show off to your friends and, and and people might look down on you for going to community college, but for what? You know, at the end of the, the, end of the two years or four years, you're going to be in a lot less debt than they are. And all of a sudden, here you're now you're able to afford a house, and here they are, and fifty, sixty thousand dollars worth of debt. And they're still living with their parents, so like, who's going to get the last laugh then? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so yeah, at the end of the day, you just got to focus on yourself. You know? Yeah, easier said than done, though, for sure, right? Oh, no, it definitely is, especially when you're 18 and you just want to get out and you want to go to college. You want to have you want to party. You want to do things with your friends. I, I get it. You know, I get it. I was, I was there, too. But, uh, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, what's the most important thing? Like, if you have a goal, like, what's the quickest way to that goal? You know, well said. so you are 25. I think you said you're 25, somewhere in that range. You decided that you wanted to go down the aviation path. Did you feel like you were way behind? Did you feel like you needed to go to ATP to go to a 141 school, get your stuff as fast as possible and get the seniority number as fast as possible? Or were you kind of just figuring out what was best for you 
and doing the best school that you could do to put you in the best position to succeed? Well, when I was in the 141 program, um, I would have a lesson a week or two lessons a week. And, um, and I'd show up to the airplane and I'd be unmotivated because there's just not enough not enough time in the airplane. Cause every time I'd, I'd go up flying and you know, you know how it is when it, when it comes to training, it's all about consistency. So if you go up and you do steep turns and stalls and then you don't fly for two weeks and then you go back up and you're pretty much back at square one because you're relearning that a lot of those things. So it took me a long time over like almost a year and a half, close to two years to get my private pilot's license. And I got it at 80 hours. And it just, I was very, I just didn't want to go down that path again. So I figured, all right, what's the quickest way, especially, you know, having a full-time job and then going into debt and getting out this, this loan to, to just to, to live day to day. Like, how am I going to get to the airlines as fastest way possible? Like, I, it's got to be ATP. I, I would think ATP is the fastest, the fastest way. So I, I went, I went there because, you know, from, from everywhere that I hear and I, I guess, you know, it, you know, God forbid you watch your video on YouTube about aviation, all of a sudden, boop, every ad is ATP, ATP, ATP. But, um, yeah, I mean, their, their marketing team is on point with that, but, um, it really was the fastest way to, to get my, my ratings. Um, I quit my job in June. I started the program in July and I had, um, all my ratings by February, the next, uh, the following year. Uh, and even then, I think I was like a month behind because they had some weather and um, and things like that. But um, it overall, it, it worked out. It worked out well. Um, from the time I got my all my ratings in February, I got to fifteen hundred hours the following March, so a little over a year to go from two hundred to fifteen hundred. So I I worked my butt off. I just tried to fly as much as I could. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, I can go back to actually my, the end of my experience at ATP wasn't necessarily the best. I went down to CFI school in um, in Jacksonville and unfortunately did not complete that the program. I double busted my CFI and my initial, um, in the oral twice. Um, the first time was after five hours. The second time was after four hours. And I just was so unmoved. Like after after that happened, it was like devastating. It's like all of your fears of check rides, just like coming to a reality, was the scariest thing. Um, and that was right before Christmas. And um, I I think the the instructor was like, I don't think you're meant to be an instructor. And I looked at him, I was like, I don't think I am either. And I never really wanted to teach. Um, but um, it, it it was a big blow, not to my ego. It was more for like my my self confidence, like. Maybe I'm I'm not meant, meant like to be to do this. You know, maybe I'm not like meant out to be a teacher and and, and do all these things. And uh, um, but I, I realized like you know like there's this is just this is just it happens the way it happens sometimes. You know, you just gotta you gotta gotta take it on the chin and real accept the responsibility that you like you, you messed up. And I'm, I'm sure I, I could have you know done better, but my nerves definitely got the best of me during those check rides. But um. Afterwards, I, I went back. I got my commercial single, and um, I, I finished up with ATP's program. And I applied to every job that I possibly could. But who's going to hire a pilot with 200 hours? Like nobody, right? So um, I went to climb to 350.com and um, applied everything that I possibly could. And I, I got one hit back, and that was for Star Marianas in Guam, Saipan, and um, 
I, I, I took it. I, I took, told my dad, I was like, dad, I think I, I'm going to take this job in Guam. <laughs> I, I had to look you know, where it even was. I was like, where is this place? And I come to find, come to find out, like, you know, if you're a history buff, World War II history buff, like World War, or, there's a lot of history, Guam, Saipan, like a, a lot of World War II history over there. Um, the island that I lived on, Tinian, actually, during World War II was the largest airport in the world. Um, it was uh, four parallel runways all lined with B-29 bombers. Uh, the Enola Gay took off from uh, Tinian to bomb Hiroshima, um, which I found, found to be really interesting. So there's a lot of World War II history over there. So I, um, you know, I, I went out, I, I interviewed via, uh, via Skype and they're like, Hey, we'd love to you know, have you out here. And, and two weeks later, I was on a, a plane from Newark to Hong Kong. And, um, you know, almost 24 hours later, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in Saipan in this, on this little island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you know, so many thousands of miles away from all of my family and all of my friends. And, um, I'll tell you what, it was like to this day, it was by far the coolest experience of my life because like, what a dream to get paid to do, to fly airplanes, you know, for the first time, like I'm getting paid to do this. And, um, while I was out there, I did aerial tours for Chinese tourists. Uh, the, the company had, um, an agreement with, um, some tourism companies in China. And I guess at the time, um, Saipan was a big Chinese destination. It was kind of like their Hawaii. So, um, they would, they would come there and, and we'd, take them up and assess the 172 or a Piper warrior and like just do a little aerial tour of the Island. And, um, I built, I flew between, you know, five and eight hours every day, uh, for four days, four days on two days off. Uh, while I was out there, I think my salary was like, I don't know, $20,000 a year. So <laughs> it wasn't a lot of money, but I didn't care. Um, did I you live off? Was that enough to live off of out there? Oh, it was actually so all I, I managed to save more money while I was out there um, than anything. <laughs> I uh, the, the funny thing is, is all, all the money that I made went right into my like bank. Oh, we, we got tips um, from the Chinese tourists. So I was able to live off of my tips. And I lived in a house with four other guys. My rent was $100 a month. Um, me. <laughs> yeah, me and two other guys, we split a car and uh, the, uh, the car was $75 a month. We rented that as well. Um, and we went out to eat every day. And on our, on our days off, we just hung out at the beach, went sparkling. Um, it was, it was like to this day, it was the chillest job that I ever had in my life. It was, it was just so cool. You should have um, stayed there forever, man. You messed up by coming back. <laughs> you know what? If you make $60,000 a year, like you can live like a king out in Saipan. It's crazy. Um, I know some, some guys who were like jump pilots and, and they were like, you know, making upwards around 60,000 and they were like living, living the best life ever. Um, not, not a bad way to live, but, uh, I was there for three months and I started getting some, uh, island fever. I got to 500 hours and, um, I was like, all right, uh, I, need, I think I need to come back home. <laughs> so, um, I came back home. Um, my cousin got married, went to the wedding and, one of my good buddies, um, Corey, um, name dropped him. He, uh, we graduated from Rutgers at the same time. We didn't know it at the time, but, uh, after we graduated, he went right to flight school at ATP. And when I, and I became an engineer. And then after the year, when I went back to ATP, he was an instructor. And, um, that's when we met and, um, we met through ATP and he left ATP and he went to go fly pipeline in West Texas. And, um, 
And that's why I think it's always important to network as much as possible. Like, like, you know, just, just be friends with everybody. And because you never know where like your, your contacts may lead. And, um, I was leaving Saipan, um, with 500 hours and Corey was going to Piedmont and he's like, Hey, like, you know, this, this, my, my job is going to open up. Would you be interested in flying pipeline in West Texas? And I said, absolutely. He's like, I fly 120 hours a month. I'm like, that's perfect. Like, the quickest way to the airlines possible. Like I am here for it, brother. So, um, you know, he, he got me in contact with his boss and, you know, had a good conversation and, uh, very quickly was driving my car from Philadelphia all the way to Texas. Um, uh, and for the next eight months, I spent, um, spent the next eight months in, in Midland, Texas, uh, flying pipeline, just a 172 and just, just by myself all VFR, um, you know, looking out the window, in classic like golf airspace flying in like Artesia, New Mexico, Carlsbad, um, Midland area. Um, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But I'll tell you what, being from the Northeast and being used to seeing green grass and trees and you go out there and it's just all desert. It, it's a, it's a change. It's a, it's a culture shock a little yeah, bit. <laughs> absolutely. When I did survey, I've did a lot of flying in Midland too. And we would do a lot of, we actually did Carlsbad. We did pipeline, the Carlsbad and New Mexico trip was a Cessna 310 at 20,000 feet doing pipeline stuff with digital wow. cameras. Yeah. It was insane. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was cool, but it like, I don't really think a 310 should be at 20,000 feet should be up that too high often. So it wasn't great, but it was cool at the same time. But I mean, when you're in that time, you're just kind of like, oh, it's new. I haven't done that. I'm used to flying at 4,000 feet getting beat up in the in Texas. So let's go up. Oh, man. Yeah, that that was something like, you know, I was at 500 feet doing steep turns all day. And especially you get those thermals. And, like down there, like I, I have like the vents like towards me. And it just feels like a blow dryer in summertime. It's 120 degrees outside. Like, Jesus, like I would on the way back from, from like those routes, I'd climb up as high as I could just to get some kind of cool air and then, you know, <laughs> get, get back to on the way back to the airport. But, um, it was, it was a great experience. And, uh, and again, like I made the most of every situation that I had and, and the end goal was always airlines. And there was a couple opportunities where, you know, like uh, I could have flown corporate. Uh, I had an interview to fly like, um, air, like air ambulance. And it was like out of Tampa or something like that. But, um, I, I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, all right, well, what's the end goal? Like the end goal is airlines. So I'm like, okay, don't get shiny, shiny jet, jet syndrome. Like, because you're going to end up like, like flying corporate. And then, and then like how long until you actually get back into the airlines? Like, so I, I just like, I try to focus on like the main goal. And that's another, like something that another piece of advice I, I like to give people is if you, if you like, if you want to say you want to go corporate, you want to go airlines or whatever it is that you want to do in with this industry, like, like keep, keep that, like keep that goal in mind and, and try to make the best decision to get there. Um, but if you're just going along for the ride, that's, that's like a great part of it too. Like I, I remember, you know, just, just get to the airlines, get to the airlines, get to the airlines. Totally whatever I wanted to do. And you kind of have to remember to enjoy the process as well. Because you're going to look back on those times and be like, you know what? Like, I, I miss that. Because, you know, flying for the airlines can can get monotonous at times doing a lot of the same things over and over and over again. And I'll look back and like, man, like what I would do to like, you know, fly around Saipan one more time um, and, you know, just just have fun with your buddies. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been it's been a, a great experience so far. I'm very fortunate, um, really lucky to be in the position that I am, I'll be honest. 
it's really hard to enjoy the process and, and realize that at every step of the way, you are living someone's dream. You know, like when you are flying survey, you might think, gosh, I can't wait to fly the airlines. But there's someone with a hundred hours that's looking up to you flying surveys like, man, he's getting paid to fly. He's building his time. Like, that's awesome. I want to do that. And you're at the regionals and someone's flying survey. They're looking up to you. Same thing. And you're just looking forward to that major airline job. You know, uh, you're always living someone's dream in every step of this process. And it's hard to, to not, it's hard to put yourself in that mindset and remind yourself that when you were soloing, you would be so happy to be paying to be paid to fly. And it's hard to, to really focus on that. And if you can, you will truly be happy no matter where you end up, no matter what you do. Uh, I, I've happened to me all the time. I mean, I always had where I am when it was my goal and I was not satisfied until I was there. And I do miss some types of the flying I did. Maybe like flying a PC-12 is cool. I don't miss flying all night, but it's definitely- yeah, Flying you look night in the mountains yeah. in bad weather. <laughs> in Mexico, <laughs> doing yeah DME, circle pro. Uh, no, I don't miss that at all, but there are parts that I miss. Uh, so it's very important to anyone right now, just try to enjoy the process as much as you can. I, I agree with you. I mean, the, I, I actually had this conversation with the captain the other day. Like, I, I think, I forget, I, I don't know if we were delayed or bad weather or something. And it just like, we were just having, it was just a long day. And um, I remember we were like, talking about it. And then the the tug driver, um, we're all like hooked up and he's like, he's telling us back and he's like, oh yeah, I just, uh, I just started flying. Like, I'm really excited. Like I, I have my first solo soon. And like, just to like hear how excited he was. It really like made me be like, all right, stop, like, just like take a deep breath, like, like realize like, you know, exactly like what you were saying, like, you know, somebody's living your dream, you know, kind of put yourself in check and like, where, look where you're, look where you're at right now. Like you're getting paid to fly an airplane. Like that's the, you know, you, you have it, you have it really good. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So. Another thing I think is important, and you are a true testament to this, is a lot of people, or at least when I was coming up in training, they weren't willing to move out of where what they knew to get a job. And clearly, you moved all the way to Guam and Saipan, so you were not worried about that. But a lot of people are afraid to, to move across the country, move a couple states away to go find a job. But I feel like it's it's so important when you're building your time to, to kind of go out and experience it and really not wait for the perfect job that might be great for location, but go get the best job that you can get. Even if it means you got to move to California, Florida, North Carolina, whatever it may be. Right. I mean, and at the end of the day, it's all, it's all about the experience as well. Like why, like, why do you want to be a pilot in the first place? Is it because you want to like see places you want to experience different cultures? You, you want to meet different people? Like here's your opportunity, you know, here's, here's the time to do it, do it now while you're young or, however old you are, like, this is the best time to do it. And like, just, just, if you, again, if you have a goal, like what's the quickest way to get that goal? If it's this job that's going to take you across the country, like, um, you know, go for it. I mean, I understand too. Like some people have families and, and they can, like, I was, I was very fortunate in that. I mean, I was dating somebody at the time and she was understanding. Um, but, um, you know, it just, uh, ended up not working out long-term because of the distance, but you know, it just, it, it is what it is sometimes. Like it, I think at the end of the day, if it's meant to be, it will be. So if, if you have the opportunity to, to go to California and go to Texas or like, I never, never saw myself being in, in Midland, Texas, like, like, let alone like flying in like in the Indian basin and Carlsbad and and all these like different places. I, I never expected anything like that. I never expected to be in Saipan, but like, and it was scary. It was really scary. Like I didn't know a soul when I went over there, you know, like it, 
but you know, like what, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like you have a bad time and you go back home. All right. Well, at least you gave it a try. You don't want to like when you're older, look back and be like, man, I really wish I gave that a try. I knew, I, I knew I would have regretted it had I not gone to Saipan. Like it was like, if I didn't, if I don't do this, like I'm going to, I'm definitely going to like kick myself later because I'm sure it's will be a cool experience. And, and sure be, enough, it is. Uh, and to be fair to, to Midland, Texas, I don't think many people wake up and hoping they end up in Midland, Texas. No <laughs> offense to Midland. It's, it's great. I love it. You know, you could have a great life there <laughs> if you're in the oil it's, industry. Uh, the, so I, I mean, I was at the time driving a blue Mitsubishi Lancer and um, talk about roll coal. I, I, I can't tell you how many times like a truck would pass by diesel and just roll coal and just like blow smoke on my car. Like, man, it's just, <laughs> it's just like everyone's driving King Ranchers. I'm like, what is this place? Like, <laughs> it's surprisingly like, a very kind of expensive. I know hotels are very expensive because oil just runs million. everything. Mm-hmm. hotels are some of the most expensive hotels for like holiday and expresses that you can get in most places in the country just because the demand for contractors and oil workers and they're all living in hotels is just out the roof. Right. It's, it's, it's crazy. And, and like, I know like it, it's a, it's a very dangerous job, you know, with, with uh, what a lot of those uh, people who work in the oil fields do. Um, but uh, I think it, it, you can make a pretty penny in, in that industry um, as well. Yeah, you definitely can. I'm told. Talk about being away from home too. They have it much worse than we do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't leave the ground without AOPA's pilot protection services. No matter how you're flying this year, their team of trusted legal service plan attorneys and medical certification specialists can help. They handle over 5,000 aviation-related legal matters and medical certification cases each year, from pilot deviations to questions on maintenance or special use airspace. The best way to prepare for your next flight is with PPS. Go check them out before your next flight at aopa.org slash PPS. Uh, talking about your survey life, a lot of people kind of have the idea like, hey, I when I tell my story, everyone's like, I don't want to be a CFI either. I want to do survey. And I partly blame myself for for creating that a little bit because you should be a CFI if you can. I mean, it's a great way to, to make money, build hours, and it's great. just wasn't perfect for me. But what was your experience as a survey? <laughs> What was your experience as a survey pilot? Was it everything you thought it'd be? Was it much different? I feel like people don't really understand that there are a lot of dangers that do come with being a survey pilot, depending on where you go. Where I went, maintenance wasn't the best. I had an engine failure, had some other maintenance issues up there. Uh, You fly a lot, you're tired, you're gone a lot. Like There's a lot of bad things about being a survey pilot other than just building time really quickly. What was your overall experience? Um, I, I had a overall, it was, it was a good experience. It was a lot of a, a good, good learning experience. So uh, the airplane I flew, um, the instrumentation wasn't really the best. So like if there, if the weather wasn't great, um, I would, I would find myself in, in situations like, mm, like, all right, things are starting to like, you know, the weather's starting to deteriorate a little bit. Like I, I, and I'm going to go back, but, um, you know, like I, I think, it, like overall the experience was good, but there were some times where I had some like, like again, coming, coming to Jesus moments. There was one time I was landing, um, in big Lake Texas to refuel and I was flying a Cessna 172 and my, my Cessna was, uh, so every, every, uh, um, pipeline pilot at my company, we pretty much had our own airplane that we flew like, uh, like just that the, we flew ourselves, but we flew so much that we'd hit the hundred hour, um, um, like every hundred hours we would, it would get maintenance and, um, our owner was also a mechanic. So they would, they would, you know, work on the planes. So I was flying somebody else's plane this day and I was like coming in the land in big, big Lake Texas to refuel. 
And as I was coming to, to flare, all of a sudden my yoke locks up and I'm like, like, what is going on? Like, what is going on? And like, scared the, scared the, like the Jesus out of me. And I managed to like, kind of un, like, un, like get it loose and, and land the plane. But it turns out there was a piece in the yoke that was, um, I guess like the previous owner of the plane, uh, did it was supposed to be Kevlar, like a Kevlar piece that wasn't, it wasn't correct. It was just metal on metal. And when they found this piece, cause it, apparently it's a very expensive piece. Um, it, like when, when they found this piece, they're like, Oh, like, yeah, this is, this is the issue. I'm like, wow. Like that could have ended up really badly. I could have like, you know, ended up landing sideways on the plane, like on the runway and, and, and like on off the runway or something. And, and big like Texas, there's nothing out there. Um, so it would have taken a long time for anyone to find me, you know? Um, but I mean, the overall, the experience was good. You learn a lot. You, you learn a lot when you're flying surveying, uh, when you're the only person in a plane and you're flying VFR, like you, you learn a lot. Um, but, um, I mean, I, yeah, it was a good, a good experience, good learning experience. Um, just like any job you're, you're going to learn, you're going to make mistakes. Just hope you learn from them. So what, your goal was to get to the air regionals as fast as possible, right? Yep. So you yeah. went to Saipan, you got Island fever and you came back. By the way, did they give you any trouble or any crap for leaving after three months where they're like, oh, no, 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 you got to stay. <laughs> um, well, originally I think it was a, it was a six month contract. Um, but I had before going there had told them like, listen, in June, I have to come home. Like my, my cousin, who's pretty much like my sister that I grew up with, she was getting married. I was like, I need to go to this wedding. And, um, so after those three months, I came back and went to the wedding and I was supposed to go back to, to, to Saipan, but the tickets ended up going up to like $3,000 or something like that. I'm like, I, I can't afford to go back. Like, uh, I, like, I can't afford to go back out there and they weren't going to pay for me to go back. So, um, that's when I, you know, I had a conversation with them and, and they were okay with it. And the turnover rate was, was really high. There was, there were, they were constantly getting people in and out of there. So. Um, I was fortunate in that, like, it wasn't too big of a deal uh, when I left. But, um, you know, it ended up working out. That's good. I mean, it sounds like it worked best for you rather than being yeah. there and being like, man, I got to pay $3,000 to go back home. Maybe I'll just stay here. Life's not that bad. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. Um, <laughs> when you're a survey and you're kind of building your time, as you're getting closer to 1,500 hours, did you always have an idea of what regional you wanted to work at, what region of the country you wanted to end up back in? Or were you applying to every regional and you're going to go to the first one that hired you? Um, honestly, so I work for Piedmont Airlines now. They were my first choice. Um, I, um, I applied to, I applied to a few different airlines, but being in Texas, being in Saipan, like I knew my ultimate goal is I want to be based in Philadelphia. I want to be around my family and my friends again. Like I want to like live my life. Because for so long, it's always been the grind of getting to the airlines, going to flight school, you know, going to Saipan, going to Texas. Like, it's just been a grind. So I, I want to get to an airline. I want to just live my life um, the way I want to live my life. So um, I, I picked, you know, I, I applied to all the airlines that like had a base in Philadelphia or at least near Philadelphia. So I applied to like Mute Air, Republic, um, Air Wisconsin, a few of those, um, PSA. And um I mean, the day, the day I got hired at Piedmont was like, it was, it was just, I was, I was so happy. Um, I was so relieved. Um, this was, uh, I was just about to go on vacation to Portugal to visit some family. And, um, before, before going there, I, you know, I, to be told like, you know, like, welcome to Piedmont is, it was the, the, the coolest, like 
coolest experience. Um, there, there was a huge training delay at the time. So like when I did get hired, um, I got hired in April. I didn't actually go to NDOC until June. Um, and I didn't go into systems training until October. Of what year? But, um, of, uh, this is 2018. Okay. Um, didn't go into systems training until October of 20, uh, was it 20? I think it was 2018. Maybe it was 2017. Man, I, it, it, everything is just blending together now. Like, I don't know. I don't know. What year is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, it, it, it took, it took a full nine months to go from in doc to, uh, to actually flying on the line. But, um, you know, in that, in that time, I, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to do a little bit of traveling. One of my best friends who was in the Navy, uh, was, tr- uh, moving from Pensacola to Whidbey Island in Washington state. So I, w- I was able to fly to Pensacola and, and drive across the country with him and, you know, experience some things along the way. And, 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 and be there for my friend. And that was really, really cool. Um, but, um, you made, you made me, made the best of the situation and I, have been happy. Yeah. I, you know, like I, this, this, the company is, has, has treated me very well. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just super fortunate just to be in the position that I'm in, honestly. When you were kind of coming up in training and up until now, was there ever a moment where it finally clicked like, Hey, or did you ever feel comfortable saying like, I'm a pilot, I'm a, I'm an airline pilot, or was it, for me personally, I always kind of had, I don't know if it was imposter syndrome or what, but like I never felt confident in saying like I'm a pilot to people when I was a freight pilot or when I was an aerial survey pilot. It always felt like kind of like I was a fraud. They're like, what airline do you fly for? It's like, well, not there yet. You know, was that similar for you? Was it not until you became a regional airline pilot or an airline pilot when you were comfortable enough to say you're a pilot or was that not the case for you? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I felt the exact same way. So, you know, like again, like, yeah, oh my, like, you people, you know, people get to know you like, oh, it's like, you're the pilot, right? I'm like, yeah. Like, oh, who do you work for? I'm like, well, so and you have, a, you already have a whole spiel, like, like ready to say out, well, you know, so like you need 1500 hours to get to the airlines. And um, right now I don't have that. And I'm like working towards that right now. I'm flying um, pipeline in West Texas. It's, uh, you know, just, just flying around and, you know, like looking for leaks all day in oil fields, like things like that. So I definitely felt the same way. It wasn't until, I actually passed training that I was like, you know, actually full on flying that I actually thought like, okay, like I, I'm, I'm an, I'm an airline pilot now, but then people, people ask, Oh, who do you work for? And now, now you have a whole new spiel. It's like, well, I work for PMA. It's, it's in a subsidiary for American airlines. So like on the side, it'll say American Eagle, but really it's operated by PMA airlines. So it's, they may not understand. It's like, <laughs> But That's, um, um, yeah, you see my plan there. Yeah, says America. Oh, so you fly for America? Well, technically no. Well, I fly technically for, no. <laughs> plane's operated by American with American Eagle on the side, but I actually fly for. Oh, yeah, that's a mess right there. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, so a lot of times it just look at you like 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 you have like two heads, and I'm like, uh, well, I, I know you only like you asked a question, and I started rambling, but like you know, just just trying to be as like a, I'm not an American pilot. I'm a Piedmont pilot. <laughs> that are, makes sense. Are you kind of full? Full blown, like just want to go the American route because you want to stay in Philly. Um, you know what? I'm I'm willing to move wherever. Um, I've gone to the point now where um, my, my my parents are, are retired. My my family, my brothers, they're they're all doing their thing, and and a lot of my 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 friends are they're all doing their things too. So I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't mind moving to Phoenix or moving to Miami or so still or American. Wherever. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever, wherever life takes me, Maybe, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be fortunate, uh, anything, anything that I have. I'm, I'm just right now, um, you know, with everything that's happening right now, I'm, I'm just really happy that I even have a job. 
Um, Amen. Amen. Because there's, there's definitely been some, some dark moments. Um, I, I, you know, had alone, like panicking, like, is this like, like, did I make the right decision? Did it, did, was this, was this the, the right thing for me? Should I have just stayed an engineer? Like, where would I be now if I was still in engineering? Like, like I had all those thoughts. I was about to ask what has 2020 and up to now been like for you? Because like you said, you had a full blown career that you could have stayed in that probably wasn't affected too much. You know, you'd just be at home more, uh, which is kind of what you wanted to do. You want to be at home with friends, <laughs> but, and it's great for family life. But what has your 2021, 2020 up until now been like, was there a lot of stress? Was there a lot of like, like we talked about, did I pick the right career? Am I going to get furloughed? Am I going to lose my job? Do I have to go back to engineering? Just kind of give a little brief synopsis of what's been going on. Um, so, you know, back, let's see, January, 2020, I, um, I moved to Philly, um, moved, uh, downtown to an apartment and was super happy there. Um, was finally like, all right, like I'm, I'm on my own. I'm doing my thing. Like, um, I'm, I'm living my life. And I, and, and then the pandemic hit in March and like everything around me shut down. And, and that's when like flying kind of like just came to a halt. Right. And I remember just sitting on my couch, just scrolling through social media and just seeing bad news after bad news after bad news, like, like flights cancel this, this. And it's like, you know, planes are being parked and like furloughs. And it was, um, it was like mentally, it really messed me up. And, um, it was, it was hard, especially having a social media presence and, and trying to like be positive all the time. It's, it's, it's exhausting. And it, it feels like disingenuous to like, like who I am to be like, ah, like, I'm like, life is good. But like, it wasn't like, I, I, I had a lot of like moments where I'm just like, like, what am I doing? Like, what, like, what, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to lose my job? Like, do I, do I even have, like, can I even go in, like, like be an engineer again? Like, do I have the capacity to like go into an entry level position and be happy and in, in doing something that I want to do? Do I have to move away again? Do I have to get a flying job away from my family and my friends. Can I do that again? Like, I don't, I don't know if I could like it, it was, it was tough, but, um, you know, and that was, that was a time where I kind of just, I did a lot of like introspective thinking and, and just trying to make the best of a good situation, like, you know, of a bad situation, you know, just doing like research on, on other things, trying to find other interests. And I think a lot of people too, when the pandemic happened and now all of a sudden they're inside, like, well, like, if I'm not a pilot, who am I? You know, like again, and, and I, I've heard some of your previous podcasts. It's like when we when we're pilots, we identify as pilots. So if you take that away from us, like who are we? You know what I mean? Um, there is more to life outside of flying, and that's something that I learned um, about this pandemic. Like in, during this pandemic, um, to have other interests, to have other hobbies, um, to be a well-rounded person. Like focus on your health and your like your mental health. Your 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 emotional health, like everything, like it, it's all so important. It, there's just so much more to, to life outside of just flying, you what, know? What was kind of, what did you kind of find? Uh, I know obviously you love health, you love taking care of your body. You like, uh, you mentioned that earlier and engineering is obviously an option too, if you could go back, but what, what necessarily got, got through it or what can't talk, what necessarily got you through it? What was it? Was there just like a, a one day where you decided, uh, have a different mindset or what got you through kind of the down parts? Um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it was, um, I, I started learning about photography and, um, started doing some video editing and, and photo editing and stuff. And so that's something I really like about, um, 
Instagram and, and TikTok and all these things is like you have like this ability to be creative. And it was kind of like, I wasn't like the most artistic person growing up, but I, I do enjoy the creative process and like finding a problem or, or, or seeing a unique way of looking at things. So, and, and, and it's, that's something I like about like Instagram is that I can like post pictures and, and, and things like, like that. Um, so I try to do more of like that kind of stuff. I started to do more like social media type stuff. At least I tried. Um, I had all these ideas and, and a lot of that stuff never came into fruition. I said I was going to make a YouTube channel last year and that never happened. It's still a plan, but um, um, it isn't until like very recently that I I started like this on this whole health journey with um, my, I have a, a fitness coach, one of my uh, best friends from high school um, ended up training a lot of people who became like bodybuilding pros and, and things like that. And I started working with him on like a diet plan and like a, just a completely change in my lifestyle. And, but it's hard, it's hard for pilots, especially who are on the road all the time. Like how do you juggle like, like fitness and um, a career and eating healthy, like all in the same lane? Like how do you juggle it all? It's, it's, it's hard. Um, and I'm, and over the last like six months, I've been like doing a lot of a lot of like trial and error with like how to the proper way of doing it or like the best way of doing it. And um, I actually just signed up for a course through the um, uh, integrative uh, uh, intuitive integrative nutrition program. It's like a six month like uh, health and um, holistic wellness uh, coaching. So I'm going to try using my social media to kind of start posting more fitness type stuff with more like a lifestyle type things like, uh, like that, just to, to see if I can provide value, um, to people who are just trying to live a healthier lifestyle. Cause I'm trying to figure it out too. I'm still trying to figure it out. And, and um, it's, it's something that I'm passionate about outside of flying. And it gives me, I guess, a reason to keep doing stuff. You know what I mean? Um, a drive outside of just flying. Because again, flying can get monotonous sometimes. So it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's like an exciting new thing. So speaking about social media a little bit, what's it like having a uh, hundred and something thousand followers? I guess the first part is, uh, did that come pretty quickly? A lot of people say kind of like it just like a couple pictures started popping off and people just started following, 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 or was it a, a buildup over time? It was initially, it was definitely, um, it was definitely like a pop off type of thing. Like before now, like taking, taking a step back before I ever got back into flying, um, I was doing research of, of being a pilot like, okay, well, I, what's it really like? So I looked up with YouTube videos. Um, I looked on uh, Instagram and that's when I came across pages like pilot Maria, pilot Emily, you know, um, fly with captain Joe mentor pilot, like all of these different people. Um, so I following Swain Martin on, um, uh, YouTube and things like that. And it was, it got like, you know, it was like really motivating just to see like, like pilots living their lives. I'm like, okay, well that's really cool. Um, I don't ever see myself getting to like a level like that, but like, I'm just going to start posting pictures of, of like what my like daily life is like. And, um, out of nowhere, it's, you know, like, a like a, I'd post a picture and this person, it would get like five likes or a hundred likes or, or five follows or whatever it is. And then, and then as time went on, I guess the algorithm kind of like kicked over and, and it kind of just took off for a while. And, um, I mean, now it's gotten to a point where, you know, there's, you, you have to be really careful 
um, about everything that you post. And it can be stressful. It's very, very stressful. Um, if anything, I find myself being more stressed out about social media and I'll have to take a step back because there's, you know, you got to be very careful about what you post. And then people are like, well, you do it to yourself. I'm like, I, yeah, I understand that, but, um, I want to provide value to people. And sometimes it's kind of like you have imposter syndrome. Like, why, like, why would anybody want to follow me? Like, what, what am I, like, why am I special? You know, there's, there's nothing special about me. I'm just, I'm just a normal guy like trying to live my life. Like, I'm just trying to figure it out like everybody else. And, and, like when people run into me in the airport, um, it's always Charlotte. It seems like Charlotte is when is when when people find me there. It's oh my god, it's you! And I'm like, oh, hey, like, I, and I I love I love talking to people. I love talking to people. I love telling you know telling my story. And anyone who who wants any kind of advice, I am like I yeah I love talking. Um, but I I don't know. I don't feel special. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just an I don't know. I'm just a normal person. Like, um, I guess you know. But but it is cool. It's very humbling um, to even have people see what I post, and and and, and some people enjoy what I post. Like it, it's cool. It's cool to me. Like hearing stories, like hey, like you know, like seeing your Instagram, like it got me motivated to be a pilot. I'm like, you know what? That's 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 awesome. Like that that makes me happy. Like to to hear stories like that, and it's like you know, it kind of keeps me more like to want to continue posting more stuff like that. But then you start seeing the negatives of it too. You know, you can see the ugly side, like, you know, God forbid you post something that people might not agree with and, you know, it can cause a lot of controversy. And it's just, you know, it, it's, it can be very stressful. It can. Is it, but everything you know, you, is it everything you thought it'd be? You know, like a lot of people want to have that kind of following. If you could go back again, would you not do everything the same and, and not get the following you have now? Or is it, I don't know, is it, is it worth it? I guess I would say. Um, there's I, something that I, I realize is, is how valuable privacy is. Um, people see social media and they, they, they think they know you. Um, but you post what you, it's a, at the end of the day, like, like Instagram is a highlight reel. It's not who you, it's not who you really are. Um, you can be as, as genuine as possible, but some people, if you post a certain, like a certain thing, um, some people might try to exploit that and like, um, and, and do things that, you know, can, can be malicious sometimes. Like I've, somebody has found out like where my parents live and sent them like a letter from Germany. It was like a really weird, like <laughs> a really weird thing. And, um, and, and it can be scary. It can be scary. It's something I never, ever expected would, would happen. But, um, but I guess it happens. Was it like so, a love letter to you or was it like a hate letter? What was it? I, I don't know. It was like, a, like I've been scammed by somebody and uh, I need to let you know type things. And I'm like, oh man, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I, I try to report everything that I can on, on social media, but you know, you can only, it's like, it's like Medusa. You cut off one head, two more heads pop up. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, I, yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot that comes with it. And <laughs> people love to, to kind of uh, rag on people when maybe they don't really know who's behind the, the real person. The, they, they see Pilot Drew, but they don't see Andrew, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Not to make it weird or anything, but <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, it is a lot. There's a lot on Instagram and you, you are right. It's, uh, it is a highlight reel and it's good to have a highlight reel because that's what you wanted to see when you were coming up. You know, you didn't necessarily want to see everything. You just want to see how good they had it and, and get some motivation to go there. You didn't really care if they had five legs. You're like, I'd fly five legs. That'd be great, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's right. definitely an interesting world. 
And some people would, would, you know, kill just to have the opportunity to fly five legs, just to be in a jet for that long. You I know? know, right? Just to see a jet. Just to see a jet, yeah. just to be around it, just to be able to fly an airplane. It's, um, you know, and, and the, the, the thing too is like you, you want to be as genuine as possible. And again, you might not always have a good day and you might want to tell people about like, well, you know, this happened and it was kind of frustrating. But then if you, if you say stuff like that and come off as like, like, oh, like, oh, you should just be lucky that you have a job. Like, yeah, I understand that. Like, I, I do. But like, again, I just want to be completely transparent. Like, you have good days and bad days just like anything else. And, but at the end of the day, it's, we really do have the best jobs in the world, Justin. We really do. Yeah, it's pretty great. I will not argue with that. What's been the best part about having like a large following? Is it uh, brand deals that you might be able to get? Is it that kind of thing? Is it just a, uh, knowing that you have some kind of influence or uh, for what for you personally, what's the best part of having some kind of following? Um, I, you know, having the opportunity to work with brands has definitely been like a really cool, um, like creative uh, thing for me. It's um, so at the end of the day, it says pretty like it has become a business. Um, there is like a business entrepreneurial side of it that like I never saw myself being a part of, but here I am like owning an LLC and, and pursuing something like this with, um, with Instagram. And I think that's like really cool, but I also like the ability that, that I have the ability to, um, reach out to people and, um, and I, and I, there are times too, where I, I feel like as though like, oh man, like I haven't posted anything that that's actually providing any value to people. And I start feeling guilty about that. And I'm like, okay, like then why are people following me? Like I'll very often be like, well, like why, why are people following me? Like they don't, they like, I don't deserve their eyes. I don't deserve their attention. Like, and, um, that's why I'm, I'm trying to, um, kind of pivot, uh, a little outside of flying because there's only so much you can post. Um, there's only like, you know, I, I, I wish you could fired. post more rapidly. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's only, there's only so much you can post and, uh, running an airplane is expensive. I, 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 you know, I can't really do that. But um, I was like, well, maybe if I start posting more things about like wellness and like how to stay healthy while you're on the road and, and things like that, like maybe that, that's providing value. So um, and that also like builds on opportunities for um, other brand deals as well. And I, I really like the aspect of, of trying to like be my own, um, be like being my own business and, and, and being like, like being able to make passive income on the side. Um, to be completely transparent about that because it is like it, at the end of the day, like, like, like social media is work. It's, it's, it's not easy taking pictures and edit, editing them, coming up with like, you know, creative captions and, and, um, it's, it's like a fun aspect of the job that I, that I really like. Um, and I, and I like just, you know, being able to talk to people, um, as well from, from all over the place. So like having the ability to talk to you, um, is, is, is awesome. You know, I got to talk to Captain Joe. I ran into Swain Martin the other day. He flew my, flew the, the, the flight that I was just on. I was just like, you know, this, none of this would have ever been possible if it wasn't for Instagram. Like it's, it's the coolest thing in the world. Like how, how neat that like we're all over the place, all over the world and you're able to connect like this, you know, it's cool. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fun community that, that I'm, I'm happy to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent agree. Well, those are pretty much all the questions I have for you. I have one more section called the rapid fire section, and it's just going to be a bunch of aviation themed questions where you say the shortest, quickest, fastest answer you, you can possibly say. All right, let's do you it. Ready? All right. What is your favorite airplane ever made? Uh, it's it's, it's got to be the 747. What about a corporate jet? Mm, I want to say Gulfstream G6. 
You don't sound very confident. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I like the Falcons too. Those, yeah. are, those are nice planes. Uh, what about a small piston plane? What's your favorite? You know, I, I have to say, like, I have a lot of respect for the Cessna 172. I have a thousand hours in that plane, and um, it's by far the the it it, it, fly, it it wants to fly. You know, that Cessna 172 is ugliest best. airplane you've ever seen. The ugliest airplane? Mm-hmm. Those shorts are pretty ugly. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> What's something you wish you knew before you became a pilot? Hmm. Something I wish I knew before I became a pilot. Uh, how long I'd actually be on the road for. <laughs> you're, you're gone a lot. <laughs> I feel like you, you do know that, but you don't really understand it. It doesn't like hit home. Yeah, it doesn't. You don't really get it until like you're like gone for four days. And you're like, oh, man. And then you get out your home for two and you have to go for another four. You're like, oh, yeah. man, I got to leave again. It's the worst. But, yeah. Who is one person in the industry you would like to meet most? Charles Lindbergh. What is your favorite thing overall about aviation? Uh, the community. Hardest approach you've ever flown? Mm, the hardest? Oh, I wouldn't say the hardest, but by far the most fun is uh, the river visual into DC. One, one nine. What's been your worst flight ever? Um, <laughs> I, uh, there was one time trying to get into, uh, it was at Wooster, Massachusetts. Um, it was like the weather had just rolled in. It was super foggy, and uh, we had plenty of gas, so we did two go arounds. Got in on the third try, and just between dealing with that and dealing with weather, and it was my overall first go around in in the jet. Um, so that was a, that was a fun experience, just all at once. <laughs> That's funny. I was flying freight one time. We were coming from Palm Beach. We needed to go to um, Providence, Rhode Island, and everywhere was fogged in except for Worcester. And we and when we landed there, like this is really rare because usually. Worcester fogs in and no one else is fogged in. So yeah, yep. <laughs> I've been in an opposite situation. Worcester saved me yep. one day. Uh, what is, that was your worst fight? What's your favorite fight you've ever had? Uh, probably my, my first flight, um, in the jet, uh, Philly to Erie, actually Philly to, no, it was Philly to, uh, Burlington. Um, just the, for the first time, like actually battling down the runway, like in the jet for the first time after months and months of training, after three years of flight school and everything, like the first initial flight, like going down the runway in the jet was just oh, the coolest experience ever. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, this is real. Yeah. It doesn't feel real until you're doing it. You're like, whoa, 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 <laughs> this is real. Like, this is this isn't a dream. This is actually happening. I'm actually flying this plane right now. This is crazy. And Burlington's a cool place to go to as well. Yeah, nice mountains. Yeah, it's much better than Erie. <laughs> yeah. Good old uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. What's your favorite airport you've ever landed at? Uh, favorite airport I've ever landed at. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Probably Toronto. Least favorite. Um, Charlotte. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa! Come on now. All right, that's it. That's oh Drew, God. or that's Andrew. Hope you had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you land three six left, you know how long it takes you to get to the gate. It takes like over forty five minutes. Yeah, I mean Charlotte <laughs> is. So uh, Charlotte as a whole, I'm born and raised. I love the place, but Charlotte as a whole never wanted to be a big city. They've always been playing catch up to get to where they needed to be twenty years ago, and the airport is no different. Uh, it's a mess. So yeah, you just gotta accept it. You gotta embrace the suck, man. Yeah, and, and I, I do. I do like like flying to Charlotte. It's a fun challenge, but there. I mean. 
if you're landing three five in Philly, you're landing, you're you're you make a left turn, boom, you're at the gate. Like literally from the time you're the wheels touch the ground to the time you're at the gate is like three minutes. Yeah. Um meanwhile, if you land three six up in Charlotte and you're going all the way around to the E gates on the, the other side of the airport, it's like, oh man, this is gonna I gotta go through two tower frequencies. I gotta go through what three or four got ramp frequencies just to get to the gate. Oh my this is it's yeah, a lot of work. The E-gates are, <laughs> it's like regional hell out there. And <laughs> it's uh, its not fun for the pilots. The airplane probably hates it and the passengers hate it too because they know they have to walk like three miles to get to their connecting flight. Mm-hmm. Good luck trying to find coffee in the Charlotte <laughs> airport right, right? now. <laughs> yeah, man, I haven't been there in a while, so RIP. But they got Bojangles. It's the best. Bojangles. I'm a fan. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, would you fly IFR or VFR? Uh, VFR. Favorite airport food? Ooh. Uh, don't give me this healthy crap i'm on a diet like all that favorite go-to like good airport i mean it's usually like a chicken caesar wrap uh, somewhere like out of the hudson news or something like that like if i'm on (laughs) if i'm in a pinch or like philly used to have the philly pretzel factory like that was like oh man i used to get pretzels over there all the time but and then they just took the they just took chipotle out of the f terminal so it's really sad yeah, that's yeah, probably a good thing. Terminal really is kind of sad right now. I just had a food poisoning from Chipotle, so I don't know if I would eat that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I want to stay away. From that. Yeah, would you rather fly over mountains, beaches, or the city? Mm, the city. Airbus or Boeing? Mm, uh, that's a hard question to answer. I mean, like I love. It depends on the, it depends on the Boeing, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say Boeing. Seven eighty seven or A three fifty. Hey, no crap. Um, <laughs> A3, I think the A350 is a prettier airplane, yeah. but I think I'd rather fly the 787. All right, there we go. Uh, what's your favorite airline livery? Favorite airline livery? Oh, I'm going to say Tap Air Portugal. Nice. Would you rather? All right, you got one chance, or you can either fly your Embraer 145 on the longest flight that it could possibly do, or you could fly as many short trips in one day. What are you choosing? The longest flight. Hardest check ride you ever had? I'm guessing it's going to be your CFI. Oh my god, that was just <laughs> that was. I, I'm mortified of check rides ever, ever since then. It's yeah, yeah. That was that was a tough one. Did that affect you tough going into tough. your regional check ride for them? 145. Did you kind of have like haunting from uh, that check ride still? I I had PTSD absolutely. Um, Do you think you're over it yet, just, or does it still affect you to this day? You know what? Like. I, I just try to accept it as is, um, you know, like every, every time someone, when somebody fails a check ride, you know, they can be like, Oh, well, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's like, at the end of the day, like you have to take responsibility for what happened. It is what it is. And you just have to move on from it. You know, it, it was a learning experience and, and maybe I just wasn't meant to be a CFI or maybe that just wasn't the time for me to be a CFI. Cause who knows where I'd be now if, if I, if I ended up going the CFI route, you know, I, I never would have gone to Saipan. I never would have gone to Texas. I might, I definitely wouldn't have my seniority number at, at my airline now. I'd probably be way further down on the seniority list because it, it would have taken me a lot longer to get to the airlines. Um, but um, it, it definitely still affects me though. Um, it's hard not just to. That, like, yeah, just like it's, it's more so like the confidence of check rides. Like you, again, like, and everybody gets like, like pre-check ride jitters and everything, but it, uh, for me particularly, I was just like, man, like, like every, every check right after that, like, you know, if I'm going down to CQ like yearly, it's, I know how to fly the airplane, but it's like, oh man, but like, what if this happens? And like, you always have like the what ifs in your mind, but at the end of the day, you just, just gotta do your best. That's all, that's all you can do. Just, just go in as prepared as possible, get a good night's rest. 
Um, and that's all you can do. That's all you can do. That is all you can do. What's your biggest regret of your career so far? Um, biggest regret? Um, probably would be like not getting the rest of my CFI ratings. What's the biggest win in your career so far? Uh, definitely uh, getting through uh, training at my airline. Was it as hard as you thought it was going to be or was it easier? You know, well, the, uh, so I went to ground school in October and then we had like three weeks off and then started simulator training. So like there, there was like that three weeks where, uh, where everything's you, gone. <laughs> yeah. You're starting to lose the flows in your mind. You're starting to lose the limitations and you have to like remind yourself again. So, um, that was, that was pretty tough, but you know, overall it, it worked out, um, in the long run. As a passenger, would you rather fly on a CRJ 200 or an ERJ 145? Um, well, I think there's more cabin space in a CRJ, at least more like elbow room. Yeah. I think so. I would agree. I think, I feel like I choose ERJ or ERJ, the 175, obviously by far is better than any other regional plane, but yeah. CRJ some, 200. Some like normal, like, like a seven three, I think it has more space than a seven three. Yeah. It's one of my favorite planes to, to be flown the laddie to and from. So I definitely, I'm very happy when I see it. <laughs> It's really comfortable. I really like the 175. I think it's a great airplane. It is. Uh, not regional heavy, right? So not, not, a, not a fan of the auto throttles. <laughs> you're not a fan of auto <laughs> throttles? All, all the way. <laughs> Get out of here. You're just lying to make yourself feel better. <laughs> <laughs> makes you feel, it makes, me, it makes you like one with the airplane, you know? Uh, you can still be one with the airplane and be automated. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. That's really funny. Uh, Piper or Cessna? Uh, Cessna. Favorite airline in the whole world. And it can't be Portugal. Tap or tap Portugal. All right. I'm going to say American. All right. Can't be American. <laughs> All right. Um, hmm. Only because that's the parent company. And then Portugal is kind of like your, your flagship for your country. So I can't let you choose. That. Yeah. You're killing me, man. Yeah. Put me on the spot here. Um, All right. Uh, oh, man. Let's see United. All right. There it is. Uh, that's it, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. It's, it's been a long time coming, that's for sure. But it's, uh, it's yeah. awesome talking to you, hearing your story, uh, giving the opportunity for people to get to know you more and kind of understand that your name's Andrew and not Drew. So <laughs> when you start the DM, <laughs> start it with Andrew. But I mean, like we said, that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you're right. I, I definitely appreciate you coming on and talking and being open. Uh, it's a lot of fun and I look forward to this coming out. Oh, awesome. Thank you uh, so much, Justin. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, anytime, man. Thanks. AV Nation, that is a wrap of the Pilot to Pilot podcast, episode 169 with Andrew. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As I said earlier, if you did, please like, review, do all those things, and make sure to check out Pilot's Coffee. Uh, the, the support was amazing, and I'm so thankful for, for everyone for uh, continuing to support that. So be on the lookout for more to come, some more cool stuff, and also just try some cool coffee because it's really good. But I hope you guys are having a great day, and as always, happy flying. <laughs>